if you're going to dream, dream big and believe that if something's put in your heart, there's a reason and just don't make excuses for why you can't go after it. Just go, go for it. You're listening to Kelly Tuman, a children's book author from Cleveland, Ohio, discussing her latest writing project, The Birthday Triplets. She's our guest today on the podcast. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Randy. It's a pleasure to be on your show. And how's the weather today out in Cleveland? Oh my goodness, there is actually this strange ball in the sky called sun today. So <laughs> it's, it's actually beautiful. Thank you for asking. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so Kelly, before we get started, I just want to say thanks for being on the show today. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you. And one of the ideas that I started with when I started to create the Creative Writing Magic podcast was around the idea of fostering imagination not only in children, but also rekindling that imagination in adults. In speaking with you before the show, I know that you share a similar mission. Tell me about that. I do. Um, Part of the project, the Birthday Triplets, is a joint project between my mother and I, Lynn Tumansir, who is the illustrator, and I'm the author, although we actually co-authored it as well. Um, the mission with the birthday triplets is to ignite the imagination as well as engage the heart of children. And the imagination piece comes from a lot of my years in working both with preschool children um, and also then moving up to uh, fourth to sixth graders for I worked with them for 10 years both as a language arts teacher and then moving into focusing primarily on creative writing and I have to say that creative writing is my passion not just to share it with children but I've seen the power of of the imagination I think we're living in a time more than ever where children and young um, tweens, teens, have very little quiet, have very little downtime. And we have to grab those moments where we can to teach kids to, to be, number one, comfortable with stillness in themselves. And writing is, it's, you know, it's getting in touch with you, right, yourself. And also, it's just a time where there's so much thrown at kids as far as um, phones and, and television and apps where they're, they're not thinking creatively as they should. And I think we're going to have problems in the future. Yeah, that's, uh, that is definitely something that should be on the radar of every parent out there, in my opinion. Yes, I, I agree with you. I just read an article um, by one of the creators of the Melissa and Doug toy line. And it was in Time Magazine a couple years ago. And it's what's, you know, we have to fight. She said, I'm on a fight to preserve my children's imagination. And she was talking about a situation where she was at a a baseball game. And, you know, the kids were gathered to kind of hopefully watch the other kids play. And she was talking about back in her day, and in my day, actually, too, kids would kind of mingle with each other. They'd run around. They'd play. They'd play games. Um, but she said it was so shocking. She looked over, and just a group of young kids even just huddled over screens, and no one interacting with each other. And she said exactly what you said, that this has to be 
the, one of the number one priorities for parents is we have to give time to children to let them create and dream. Yeah, and I really like how you put it with uh, connecting with the stillness. Yes. That's, uh, that's something that doesn't happen with the screens. So no. that's one of the gaps, I think, that people out there in general don't really see that connection, uh, that there is that stillness that the kids need to foster, and the screens uh, dominate what would be that stillness time. I agree with you. I was, um, I was telling a group of my students last year, and I'm guilty of this too, and I said, I want you to go to a coffee shop somewhere and, or anywhere, and I said, watch everybody in line, and I said, the minute any, we all have to wait, we immediately go into our pocket and pull out our phones, right? And I see people scrolling, and we're entertaining ourselves constantly. And I think the message that we're also giving to children is you need to be constantly entertained. We need to always be filling our mind with something. And someone was talking about the power of a road trip. And road trips used to be boring, right? But you used to have time to get quiet and into yourself. And now they're talking about, you know, kids have movies and videos and, and everything else. There's just no time for stillness. Yeah, it's a great point. I Thank did you. many road trips as a kid. And <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, I know that other, my, my sister might have thought it was boring, but I actually enjoyed it because like you mentioned, it is that time to kind of connect into your imagination. Yes. I would just use that time and, you know, take myself on a grand journey just while I was just sitting there in the car. Yeah. And that's such a great point, Randy. If I remember this correctly, reading um, an interview about JK Rowling, I think the idea that she actually got for Harry Potter was she was sitting on a train and she was looking out the window over the countryside, I think in Scotland. And she somehow had this idea in her brain um, about a boy and a, a school and a magic school. Um, but it was in that period of, of nothingness and quiet. And I, I think it's so important that, number one, we give children opportunities to create and be imaginative and, and give them classes or time to do that. And number two, um, just to know that being bored is okay and we don't have to fill our children's every moment with an activity and they need to be comfortable being bored because when you're bored, it's when you start to create. So true. And you mentioned JK Rowling. Um, in my interviews that I've done throughout this podcast, um, I've interviewed authors and time and time again, they all come back to the inspiration for the idea came when they're in the woods or yes. they're in a quiet place or they're kind of um, in their living room. And all of a sudden they just had this, uh, this idea for a book. So uh, that certainly makes sense. Yes. And uh, I have to tell you, Randy, there's nothing more um, joyful for me than to be in a room of children where it's totally quiet and they're writing. And um, just to see kind of the light bulb go off in their head where they're sort of sitting there stuck with this piece of paper and then all of a sudden it just comes and they're so engaged. And uh, I think for me, I had, I don't know about you, but I had almost zero creative writing in my whole school career. 
Um, and I think about the children who've been blessed to have the opportunity to take creative writing workshops. I've honestly seen talent that astounds me beyond measure. And I think what would have happened if these children never had this opportunity to write? Absolutely. It's funny you mention that because um, the whole reason that sparked my whole interest in creative writing was in sixth grade for half the year, we had a assignment where we were essentially going to write a children's book in English class. And the whole idea was that through writing the children's book, we would learn grammar. We would learn structure. And this kind of goes back to what you were just saying. When the teacher, my English teacher in sixth grade handed me that outline worksheet to kind of start, you know, what do you want to write your children's book about for the next six months? Mm -hmm. My 12-year-old imagination lit up like fireworks. And all of a sudden, I had idea after idea after idea. (laughs) And that single moment was the inspiration for my entire life path around creative writing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bravo to your teacher. I, I mean, that's the power of what a teacher can do. You were very lucky. And I, I think now more than ever in schools, there's this push for um, just trying to get more and more and more into kids' heads. And I saw, I think it was an article or I heard it on television that moving forward into this next generation, we, these kids are going to be competing with robots for jobs. And so in the sense that kids have to be able to think outside of the box. I mean, thinking outside of the box and to be able to look at things creatively is going to be a skill that is so essential. And I, don't, I think that we need to give more attention to that. Absolutely. And one could argue that the robots are already here because they're in our pocket. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, bravo to France. I heard that they just banned cell phones and um, smart pads in uh, elementary and middle schools because of the addiction of what they're seeing in kids. Wow, that's, uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's, I, and the thing is, it's what's so amazing as it's also creative writing is also a confidence builder and it's also a way of bonding kids with each other because the first of all, it's taking a risk when you have to read aloud to a group of people. And I, I've seen, you know, the crickets when I heard the crickets when I've asked who wants to read first at the beginning of a school year. But wow, within a couple of months, I mean, every hand is raised. It, and it's, uh, it's the joy of sharing and connecting and hearing other people's ideas. And um, it's a really great experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. It, it kind of goes back to the idea that society doesn't really place any value or little value on that. So the kids don't realize, you know, the value that they've just added to the world by, by doing that creative writing. That's so beautiful. um, The way you said it, it's funny. I, I'm a Montessori teacher by background and traditionally I've only worked in Montessori classrooms my entire, you know, 15 year career. Um, but recently I worked in a private school, um, that was more traditional in nature and also in a, 
uh, an upscale urban area where, you know, it's, it's just a little bit different pace. But I remember giving a creative writing assignment to this group of fifth graders and the look of shock and panic on their face because it was so open-ended and these were kids that were used to workbooks or, you know, things that were right or wrong. And um, honestly, they were afraid. <laughs> and it's that, that whole risk taking. And they got over it, you know, very quickly within a few weeks. But um, I, it's just, again, you know, am I going to be right or am I going to be wrong? No, nothing's right or wrong. This is your imagination. This is your story. This is you. And it's all okay. So beautiful. So simple. It's so simple, but it's so difficult to convey <laughs> that message. Yeah. Uh, I th- go ahead. Nope, you go first. I was going to say, um, just in all my years of doing a creative writing and, and being a facilitator and an igniter of the imagination, I cannot tell you how much kids love it. They love it. And it's funny, I remember working with a fourth grade boy, and I still remember him looking, glaring at me, hands across the chest. And he said, I just want to tell you that I'm not going to like this. I said, okay, you you don't have to. Wow. I mean, honestly, within six, seven months, he loved it. And he, he didn't even know that he could write. I mean, that's what's so amazing is he didn't even know it was in him. Wow. That is an amazing story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's, it's funny. Um, it, I've seen that with a lot of boys, actually there's that resistance. And then um, the thing about Montessori is you work with kids for um, two to three years consecutively. And I've seen kids in fourth grade who would barely write four sentences. By the time we came to sixth grade, we were doing a, a literary journal at the end of the year and they were angry at me that I had to limit their 18, 19, 20 pages type story that the whole thing couldn't go in. And I mean, like what an evolution, you know, it's that, is, that is actually amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, um, yeah. So, back to the birthday triplets with the the first book in the series is out now and we're working on the second and third. And the whole point is that we do make these stories imaginative um, with really deep lessons in them as well. But kids have to be, kids learn best when they're having fun. Kids learn best when they're imagining. And so if you can blend those two together, I think you just have a great combination. So, Kelly, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit here. Sure. And first of all, I want to say congratulations for having 19, over 19,000 friends <laughs> on Facebook. Thank you. Thank you. We're... That's truly a testament to your, your level of marketing. And I wanted to ask you, um, how do you like to market your books? Uh, that's a great question. I, I hear and see a lot of articles and things online about Um, authors who have a hard time marketing because they just want to write. And, you know, one of the great things about the day and age that we're in now is for the first time more than ever, you are in control of your book, your brand, your characters, and um, you don't have to wait for anyone else to put them out there for you. And, you know, the flip side that comes with that is when you have a children's book like ours, which we're 
you know, our goal has always been to turn it into a larger property in the scale of a strawberry shortcake. We have a licensing presentation, um, toy line, ideas for dolls, you know, apps, games, you have to be able to have an online presence. You have to be able to have a platform and, um, you know, to, to show that maybe an idea that a traditional marketer or publisher might not, um, like the same thing with Harry Potter. I mean, she had to wait until someone um, took a risk to, uh, to publish her, but now you can kind of go out there and show people hey, I can get a great following. You know, people really like what we have here. And so I think you have a sense of control now more than ever. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work and it does take away from writing. But I, I think you, need, you absolutely have to have both because just because your book's on Amazon doesn't mean anyone's going to find it. That's right. And also in today's world, publishers are not taking responsibility for the marketing. So oftentimes you have to market it yourself anyway. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. I have a friend of mine who put out a, a book, um, a World War II nonfiction book. And, and it's true. They had a limited, with a traditional large publisher, they had a limited budget for, um, for promotion. And, and he was kind of expected to do a lot of it himself. So um, I know that's hard for a lot of people if you're more introverted or shy, um, but definitely there are people and places that you can hire to kind of do that for you. So Kelly, do you have any advice for other authors out there who are struggling with marketing? What kind of first steps can they take and what kind of mindset can they get their brain around? Um, I think the best mindset is not to, look at it as, Ugh, I have to do this marketing, but wow, I have this wonderful story. I have this wonderful book and I need to make sure that people are finding it and learn, learning more about what I have to offer to the world and how it can help children. So definitely the first step is you have to have an author's website. And the funny thing is, is that when we first put out the birthday triplets book and, you know, there's just two of us and there still is just two of us. And I had no idea how to make a website. And um, I remember in, I was almost in tears because it was, I thought, hard. And it was at first, but now I've built six or seven websites since then. But there's so much out there that you can learn yourself. You know, there's tutorials, there's YouTube, there's um, uh, lynda.com. I mean, there's nothing that you can't learn how to do. So I don't consider myself a technical person, but I sort of surprised myself in the fact that, wow, I can actually build websites. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of graphic design and things like that. So don't box yourself and just say, I'm an author. I can only do this. I think you'll be amazed with, if you have enough passion and drive, what you can find you can actually do. Absolutely. And one of the things that I'm seeing uh, become very common is the idea of getting Kickstarter involved with your book launch. Yes. Um, do you have any uh, thoughts around that? Well, um, I will probably in a few weeks. We are getting to the end of this very long run of uh, preparing for a Kickstarter launch, not only for our book series, but kind of for launching the dream into the world of the birthday triplets, the idea of promoting kindness, empathy, um, promoting ballet, and also classical music. Um, the birthday triplets are dancers. And um, 
a lot of people use Kickstarter for marketing um, to show that, you know, your property has, can get national attention. And um, it's a great way for also bringing an audience of people in who want to contribute to something that's bigger than themselves, something that they believe in um, and that you can have that control to, to help other people bring that into the world. I think Kickstarter is phenomenal and I've watched and learned a lot. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We're really excited. We've spent a lot of time on the video and um, I think it'll be good. Yeah, that's really, really great to hear. And, and to let the audience know, uh, your Kickstarter link will be available on the Creative Writing Magic website. Yes, it will be. And um, we're excited. But it's daunting, too. I mean, with, just, with two of us, it was definitely a daunting. But um, again, it's that same thing as, you know what, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it. So I've now added video producer to my <laughs> list of things that I've taught myself. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, <thank you. laughs> so getting back to the birthday triplets, uh, tell me about your characters, the grandmother, the triplets. You mentioned that the, uh, the triplets are dancers. Tell me more about them. Um, the birthday triplets are, well, their role is that they bring magical surprise parties to those whose birthdays have been forgotten. And Candy Cookie and Coco Birthday live with their Granny Rosie, who is a really interesting um, Granny on the Go kind of character. She is a magical adventurer who has an adventure factory. So she has these amazing intricate machines, and she brews and makes these adventures, such as like a North Pole adventure, pirate adventure, um, rainforest adventure. So each day, the girls jump in to dance into one of the adventures to find that someone whose birthday has been forgotten, but they don't know, they know instinctively that it's that particular adventure, but they don't know who the person is. And so the real story is the culmination of their journey and um, the people they meet and the things that they overcome kind of with their own ingenuity, their smarts, humor. Um, we try to bring a lot of humor into these stories. And most of the, most importantly, their heart. Well said. And the rhyming in your book, I would <laughs> classify as magical. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're, thank you so much. Uh, I have to say that one thing, when you're a writer, you have to be very open to critique. And um, Lynn, my mother, was really passionate about writing and rhyme. And I was not so much on board at first. Um, but I learned to really love it. And she loved it as a child. And we found so many people who have told us, you know, my child, we've read this like 20 times. Um, they want to read it over and over again. And there is something beautiful when rhyme is done well. Um, that it's very lyrical and uh, children love to be able to anticipate and know that next word that's coming. It gives them a little bit more ownership over the story. But we worked with a lot of wonderful people, um, 
one of them being Lisa Wheeler, who's an author of probably up to 30 books by now um, in rhyme. And she worked with us uh, through several edits of our manuscript, as well as the one that we're working on now. And then we worked with another editor, um, former editor called uh, Emma Dryden, who helped us with the layout. But we wouldn't be where we were without a lot of people who critiqued and helped walk us through this journey. Um, but y you have to be willing to to make those changes and edits and um, they're not always easy. And I always tell the kids in my, in my classes, I said, you should see how many versions of the book we had. And they just look at me because everyone thinks a children's book is easy. It's, it's not because you have to be so concise and precise with each and every word. Yep. I can relate to that. And being precise with every word is really the, the talent that comes through that makes a story great in my opinion. And uh, when I wrote my children's book, the first draft uh, compared to the last draft, <laughs> yeah, completely two different. <laughs> so the, the refinement process is an art in itself. Uh, that is so well said. It is. It, it really is. When we look back at some of our first versions, it's, <laughs> They're comma. They're funny because <laughs> they're, yeah, you have to go through a lot of combing. But isn't it the truth? Like with anything, any kind of great work or artwork or anything that's out there, it looks so easy. Um, but it's, it's, you know, nobody knows kind of the whole behind the scenes story of, of making anything look easy. So true. Art, writing, entrepreneurial life, all of yeah. that. Yeah. It looks so easy from the outside, but once you're in it, it's a whole different story. It is, and it's that whole thing of uh, overnight success. And uh, no, it, it's generally not like that. And I mean, for us, this has been a journey. It's been a, a lovely journey, my mother and I, but it's been a, a lot of starting over. Uh, we had some great people in the entertainment world who looked at this property and the girls early on and said, you've got these beautiful characters that definitely have markability, but where's their essence? You know, where's the concept? Um, and so we went back to the drawing board so many different times um, and finally came up with the idea of the birthdays. Um, what child doesn't love a birthday, but we didn't want to just have them be girls who bring birthday parties. We wanted to add another level in there, which was this whole issue of empathy and of caring about somebody whose birthday has been forgotten. Um, and when on our Kickstarter video, we have a very moving beginning that shows kind of what's happening in our world with the dearth of empathy. So true. So important. Getting back to the rhyme, I just want to read a quick <laughs> snippet from your book just to give the audience a feel for your, your rhyming. It happened one day while machines bubbled hot as she stirred her adventures into each pot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, that's the snippet. <laughs> I know. I know the whole book by heart. I, could, I almost started to go into the next line. <laughs> <laughs> As you were reading. Uh, yeah, that, those lines were probably rewritten 50 different times. Uh, I, I'm exaggerating, but to get them that great, yeah, it took a long time. Um, and that's a great thing about working with an editor or someone who can just look at your work with, uh, with fresh new eyes. 
Absolutely. That is so true. And even in school, you know, I remember that writing even just an essay and getting, you know, another classmate to look at it, it was just mind boggling how much you miss just by, you know, being so deeply involved in it to get that fresh set of eyes is so important. It's true. And um, I think that anyone who's involved with writing or just especially writing, because writing is so personal, it's, you're really tapping into your soul. And I have a friend who's a children's producer. And he was telling me, he said, one of the bravest things that someone does is when you, and hardest actually, is when you put a piece of yourself out into the world. Like that is very vulnerable. And um, I think we need to really embrace and support kids for doing that. And that's part of taking risks is you're putting a piece out there and you don't know what people are going to say, but um, it's you. And I think the more that we can teach that as they're younger, the better. That's so true. And it's such a hard idea to kind of get your brain around because so many things out there are so polished right? from these kind of mega corporations and so forth that when you're dealing with like, you know, a grassroots type of effort, when you're kind of creating your own book for the general audience, sometimes it's tough to kind of sell that because they are so used to living in this absolutely polished world that, you know, sometimes the most uh, things that aren't as polished kind of have the most heart and they're kind of missing that because they're just seeing the surface. Oh, that's so well said. And, and yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, that, you know, it's okay for kids to kind of grapple and struggle with words and, and to look at that blank piece of paper to start, because that's how, that's how we're formed. That's how ideas are formed. Um, and I think it's so easy to kind of want to jump in and fix everything for kids or see them with a blank piece of paper and, you know, start pouring ideas into their heads, you know, and it, it's okay to let them have that moment of quiet or even 15 minutes where they really just need to think. Absolutely. And just kind of taking that a little bit step further, since they, they're kind of comparing their work to these kind of polished works when their work isn't anywhere near that they it seems like I mean even me I would fall into this category sometimes of saying like you know what it this is just going to be too hard but that's not the point the point is to keep going and even if it is not as great as some of these polished pieces like you know it's still out there and it's still you know, it's a stepping stone to your next project. It is. And how do you get, you know, quote, great at something? It's what I always tell kids. It's practice. You do it over and over and over again. And I think it's really important. I love hearing behind the scenes stories, especially um, I always tell the kids about um, Kate DiCamillo, the author of um, Because of When Dixie and The Tale of Despero. And she's done so many books, but oh my gosh, she could have quit so many times. I can't remember how many times she was rejected. Um, I, I want to say it's close to, it's over a hundred, but she just kept going and going and going. And I always tell the kids, what would have happened if she would have just quit? 
right? All these stories would have never come out in the world and you should see their faces, you know? And so you bring up a great point that in order to get yourself out there, it is trial. You have to do it again and again. So true. So you mentioned your illustrator, Lynn Tuman Sear, is your mother. Yes. Tell me about her artistic vision and how that fits into the birthday triplets. Well, my mom uh, started her career at American Greetings here in Cleveland, Ohio, before I was born. And she was one of a handful of people that were chosen to be an American Greetings think tank. And the role of the think tank art think tank artist was to come up with ideas that would you know, obviously make the company more successful and bring in additional income. And so while she was in that think tank, she came up with a children's, um, a girl's card line called the Little Miss Moppets. And my mom is extremely modest and uh, has a hard time saying this, so I always say it for her. But the card line was uh, one of the most lucrative card lines in the history of the company per card. Um, and it had something to do with the girl's eyes. And it was, it, they, and the birthday triplets kind of share that same look. There's something very magnetic about their eyes. And my mom said it's just something that comes through her, um, doesn't take credit for it. But she left American Greetings, got married, um, had me. But that success stayed inside of her, That the confidence that if she could do that once for a corporation, then, you know, she would hopefully be able to do that for herself one day. And it took me growing up and um, a lot of different versions of the characters. They started looking, they were started, they were about the size of toddlers. They were all blonde and then they grew up. Um, they went through a series of different outfits, hair changes. I mean, just a lot of different changes working with people until they are what they are today. But I mean, my mom is my mentor, the, the person that I look up to and I, you know, think about, my gosh, like she could have a much easier life right now um, without, but she's as passionate as putting this dream out there as I am. And this has been something that's been put in her heart too. That's really amazing that you've shared that connection with your mother in terms of both kind of having this shared vision for uh, what you'd like to do in life. Yeah, it's, it's something Randy that um, it's, like it's hard to explain but it's kind of what we feel like we're meant to do with these girls and and you know sometimes we wonder why didn't this proper property launch earlier and you know there were doors that came close and then would close for some reason and um we were talking about that and we said you know the culture has never been in the place where it is now the time has never been in the place where it is now, where there's this lack of gratitude, the empathy, um, and, you know, parents really concerned kind of for their, their children. And so there's a reason for everything. That's so true. And I completely agree that the timing for the messages of the book is right on with, with this period that we're in here now. Thank you. And I also want to say that um, I agree that the illustrations are absolutely magnetic and um, it really, really brings you into this world 
with the birthday triplets. And what I really like is right off the bat, you have the maps of these kind of candy land type environments where you've got like the jungle and you've got, you know, the lake and it's like, it just kind of brings you right into this magical land where you know that it's like that, you know, you're going to be going somewhere fun. Oh, thank you. That map was, um, it's in the, it's in the first book, right in the opening. And it's the land that Granny Rosie created. And, um, this goes back to the whole thing about imagination. And my mom grew up, you know, without a lot of, you know, she grew up in the generation, there wasn't television and she spent her days in her mind. Like she said, she would go out in the field on a mop and pretend it was her horse. And she would spend hours doing that. And she, there, she, you know, they lived in an area where um, the kids weren't always nearby. So she had that luxury of like spending a lot of time in her imagination. And she remembers the things that she loved as being a child. Um, and a lot of those things have come into that map. A lot of those things have come into the story. Um, and I, you know, you think about had she had a different childhood where she was busier, um, more distracted, how would that have changed things? Absolutely. So you mentioned your mother as one of your mentors. Did you have any other mentors that helped you along your writing journey? Um, I was thinking about that earlier, and I have to say no. Um, That's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about doing these creative writing workshops for kids is that I didn't have any creative writing in my school career until I think I remember one assignment in sixth grade, and then not again there was their creative writing offered until high school, one random class in 10th grade. Um, that's too late. You know, that getting kids involved in high school and creative writing is too late. Um, you need to get them when they're younger to develop that passion and ease for writing. Um, and part of the Kickstarter campaign, one of the rewards we're giving is um, – I am, I've developed uh, some of my lesson plans for creative writing um, that could be used for homeschooling or even for teachers because uh, I just believe it's so important. And I think a lot of teachers don't know how to teach it. And it's not a criticism. It's that they just don't know. Um, and it's easy to just fall back on, you know, here's a journal, write about something fun you did this summer. Well, you know, we, I think we have to, we have to think out of the box a little more. And that's what I'm hoping to do is, is to be able to help people to do that. <laughs> so. I, I'm laughing at the, uh, the assignment of telling me about something you did over the summer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm not, and it's not, I'm not coming from a judgmental place, but it's just an easy fallback. And it's not like my comfort level is I don't know how to teach science. I mean, I wouldn't have a clue of, of how to get kids engaged in it. I would probably do something really imaginative and it would work. But I mean, everybody has their, their gifts and talents and their comfort level. And there's definitely so much to, to push from, but yes, let's get these kids involved much easier. I mean, much earlier. And, um, and realize that creative writing is not just imagination. It's, it's a comfort with writing period. That's right. Um, yeah. 
So Kelly, uh, you mentioned the birthday triplets being part of a broader storyline, if you will. What other creative writing projects are you currently working on? Well, the, f- the first book that's out now, um, that's the first book in the series where the, the birthday triplets meet Granny Rosie. It's the introductory book in her adventure factory. Um, we're working on the second book. One of the things that we're looking to get funding for on the Kickstarter is for the second book, um, which is the, the Pony Race. And we're also working on the third and fourth book right now in the series. Um, something else that we're also really passionate about is um, promoting a love of ballet and classical music. And um, what we're hoping to also get funding for is to be able to uh, get a one-minute animation clip um, to be able to pitch um, for the possibility of a, you know doing a television series as well. So we have big dreams for this property. Um, and... Like my friend said, it just takes a lot of courage to put it out there into the world, but we believe it's time. Absolutely. And I really think that it has a lot of potential in terms of being that animated series. Thank you. Um, It was always designed to be something a little bit bigger. And that comes from Lynn's commercial training. Um, Also, when she was at American Greetings, while she designed the triplets, she kept in mind um, the idea of, um, making something appealing and wonderful for, for children, but also the fact of markability as well. Absolutely. To have that, that sense from the beginning is uh, really great to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much. So Kelly, where can listeners find the birthday triplets? And then where also can they eventually find the pony race? Um, well, the birthday triplets book, the introductory book is out right now and there's two versions. So be sure if you go on Amazon that um, you look for, we put out a new edition last May, which has that wonderful map that you're talking about um, as well as some additional pages in the book. So that's available on Amazon. It's called the birthday triplets and it's also available on Barnes and Noble's website as well as Walmart's website. Um, The great pony race and, and that's actually a working title. I'm not sure because that where that will be, hopefully um, all over. We'll see what happens with the Kickstarter campaign. Um, and then just more information about the triplets uh, can be found on their website, which is www.thebirthdaytriplets.com. And we also have this really wonderful um, Birthday Triplets Times newspaper. That's a great um, tool for reading to your kids. There's some really fun stories written by the triplets. Um, And you can also get free birthday cards as well. Excellent. And just so the listeners know, as I mentioned before, we'll have your Kickstarter uh, linked up on our website, um, as well as the birthday triplets website will be linked up on the creative writing magic website. Wonderful. Thank you. So Kelly, before we close the show, are there any other final thoughts you'd like to share? Um, I think that I would love to share that if you're going to dream, dream big, um, and believe that if something's put in your heart, there's a reason and just don't make excuses for why you can't go after it. Just go, go for it. Beautiful. 
Okay, so that's all the time we have for today. Kelly, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Oh, Randy, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you for having me. And thank you, listener. You make this all possible. If you like this episode, feel free to support us on Patreon and consider subscribing. The link to Patreon is in the description. Also, if you're an aspiring writer and would like to learn more about writing coaching services and story outline coaching services, contact us on the Creative Writing Magic website. And also, be sure to subscribe to the email newsletter to receive email notifications when new episodes are available. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Stay inquisitive, support the arts, and keep creating. Bye for now. Thank you.